Welcome to the Working Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Erskine. Come along while I interview the top handlers and clinicians around the world while hearing their stories of both failure and triumph and get their view on what it takes to have a good working dog. Welcome back to the Working Dog Podcast. This is Allison Erskine with my co-host Laura Armstrong, or Culligan. Oh. Sorry. Sort of uh, been the husband. Yeah, sorry. Um, and today we're sitting down with Dale Montgomery. Um, Dale Montgomery is from Maple Creek. He's lived there for the past few years. And uh, Dale, do you want to introduce you. yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Oh Well, I was raised just a few miles north, uh, yeah, north of Maple Creek. But I've lived in Maple Creek now since... Uh, mid to late 60s, I guess. So, uh, uh, that's kind of where I grew up, and well, the, that's where I graduated high school from, and and uh, I used to rodeo a lot, you know, and spent over 20 years rodeoing, and and uh, I was getting to the end of my rodeo career, and I was actually kind of worried about what I was going to do, because I don't curl, I don't play golf, and, and uh, and it so happened a friend of mine had the dog he had to find a home for, and I got him, and that dang dog, he changed my life, no kidding. Huh. Yeah, and uh, I always had dogs, the whole life I had dogs, but uh, I, I never really had a had a good working dog. It might have worked okay, but nothing like they do nowadays. And because uh, my, dad, my dad used to have dogs, they're pretty good ones. But anyhow, uh, uh, I got this dog. I was uh, about 40 years old, and when I wanted to quit rodeo, and I was getting ready to retire, and didn't know what I was going to do. And I got my hands on this dog, and what 90, 80. Well, I got him in '86, I guess, and then for 80, 88, 89, 90, I was doing a little bit of both. I got dog crawling, and I was still going to rodeos. I think by '91, I think I'd quit rodeo altogether and just went to dog cross, and uh, so I just went from one to the other. So. Yeah. I mean, I always like to compete, and I like working with animals, and uh, so it's perfect for me. You know, I kind of got in on the ground floor, and were you running sheep then too, or no, did that came after? No, I came after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just, we just had cattle. Were you work? Were in feedlot? Yeah, we, we had a feedlot, yeah. and we went cows and calves too. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's how I got into it, and then. That first dog I got, he was a tremendous dog, and what dog was that? What was a dog called Huck. Yeah, in fact, Laura's dad uh, said to me one time, he said, you know, they should build a statue at the Saskatchewan border with, with that dog. Really? Because that's the dog that kind of made me and kind of got everybody dog trying, yeah. you know? Because yeah. before then, there was nobody around. Yeah, yeah. So, and I started putting on demos and and uh, clinics and stuff, and I went from there. Yeah. What made Huck special? What was good Oh, just the, way, just the way he handled livestock. I mean, he was hard to believe how tough he was, but he, at the same time, he was so gentle. Mm-hmm. You know, he never bit nothing without a without a reason, and uh, he could turn any cow, any bull, anything. You know, he'd, he'd bump a baby lamb along with his nose or a calf. You know, yeah. just the way he handled stock. I remember when I brought him home, uh, got him home, and uh, he was just kind of renegade up to a friend of mine in Saskatoon. And he was just kind of a renegade, and uh, out in acreages, you know, herding, herding stuff around the acreages, and said, "Yeah, you have to find a home for him." 
and he asked me if I wanted him. Well, I already had a young dog then that I was kind of liking, and I didn't really know if I wanted him or not, but I thought, well, I may as well have to try him. And my wife's mother was down, her mother-in-law was down over Christmas, and she was going to take the Greyhound back to Saskatoon. And uh, so we thought, well, we'll give her a ride home and pick up his dog. Yeah. So I met the guy in Saskatoon, he's coaching a peewee hockey team, and after the game, we went out to the parking lot, and he opened. Uh, you know, he had a topper on his pickup. And he opened the back door, and out jumped this tall, gangly, uh, tricolored dog. First border, first short-haired border collie I'd ever seen. Oh. And he had no stripe. You know, he had a black face, a little white around his muzzle, mm-hmm. and uh, tall, gangly. He was about eight months, no, about ten months old. And I thought he was part hound or <laughs> part uh, Jim Shepherd yeah, or something. Yeah. And I almost didn't take him. And But I thought, well, I'm here now. I'm going to go take him. Yeah. If we go to work, I'll find a home for him. And I took him home. And that dying dog, I remember he got home the next day. And I, he, he, I mean, he had no control, no manners, no nothing, you know. He jumped out and he ran down. He was getting cattle down in the pen after we were feeding cattle. And ran down into the pen, and I followed him down, and I go on through the gate, and he was not hurting nothing, but he was pushing. Every animal, there was 150 calves in that pen, he had them all piled up in the corner. Yeah. You know, just he'd move over, bump that one, bump that one, and he would, uh, within, and I, I just stood there and watched him, because like I say, he wasn't hurting nothing. Yeah. And uh, within a couple of minutes, he had all them calves bunched up in the corner and holding them. Wow. You know, something would go to leave, he'd just walk over and stop it. Mm-hmm. And if he had to nip it, he would. He wouldn't bite it hard, he just bit it enough to turn it back. And uh, I watched him for a while and I thought, boy, that's a spider dog. And cause, I mean, I'd never had a dog like that before. And uh, anyhow, I got working him and working him. And it, I mean, I was new then too. I didn't know nothing about training dogs, very little. And uh, we had some terrible fights, and boy, he turned into a heck of a dog. I always said he was a great dog in spite of his training, not because of it. You know? How did you, uh, how'd you go about figuring it out? Well, I, there was an old, the book I got, the only book I could find back then was a book called The Farmer's Dog. And it was written way back in the 60s, I think. I know that one. John Holmes wrote it. And uh, I read that book and I'd, and then I'd work the dog and I'd go back and read another chapter and go work the dog. So it's and, mostly trial and error, a lot of trial and oh, error. Oh yeah, a lot of trial and error, you bet. Yeah. A lot of, and mostly error. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of error. Yeah, a lot of error. And that's why I say, uh, why that dog turned out as good as he was, yeah. you know. And then I got working him like I was, we were feeding cattle, so I was working him every day in the feedlot. And uh, then when he got old enough, I started going to feed the dog trials. And I mean, that dog, I could do stuff with him that you couldn't even believe. You know, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it, you know. Right. I could put him on a calf, a pair, a sick calf. And I, I mean, for years I, I rode the pens on horseback, you know. In the, in the wintertime, you know, I had my horse shot, mm-hmm. shot and, and, you know, slipping and sliding and stumbling over frozen turds. And when I got him going, I started just walking through the pens. And I had two dogs. One one dog I'd leave, leave at the gate and I'd take cock in and put him, if I found a sick calf, I'd put him on that calf and he'd just walk out. Never hurt it, never run it, just, just haze it out nice and calm. And once in a while, a calf would blow up and, you know, get back in the herd. That dog would go back in there himself and bring out the same calf. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible, right. actually. Well, maybe it was a Grant Armstrong story, but he told me that that dog would help you find the sick ones. Too. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
That's amazing. Yeah. He, he, I mean, there's something about that dog. <laughs> How did he breed? Like, what were his descendants like? His descendants, like you bred him, I'm assuming. Oh, well, actually, everything I know I have now probably goes back to him somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're a long way back now, but they're, they're all descendants of him. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know it, but at the time, yeah, I bought them from this friend of mine who, who gave them to me, mm-hmm. but he got them from, uh, he was a farrier, and uh, he used to shoot horses for a guy who goes into jumping horses okay. at, at the Duke. And the lady who runs the jumping horse stable, uh, she was over in Great Britain looking for, or looking for horses back then. This, this was back in the early 80s, I guess. And uh, seeing these border collies work over there, and I thought that'd be kind of neat to have one, you know. So she bought, yeah, she, she bought this pup. Mm-hmm. She bought this pup home, a female, female pup. And and uh, turned out the sire to this pup was a dog called Dryden Zoe, over there, who went on to be the winning trial dog ever in, in Britain at, at that time. Oh wow! And uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and then the mother's side was uh, let me see, I just I forget now offhand, but but anyhow, yeah, very and then on top side, yeah, the mother went back to Dryden Zoe. And the top side went back to him with yours, Ben, who was a supreme champion. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he's a very well-bred dog, but I didn't even didn't know it. I didn't get paper for him for two years after oh, that. Oh, you did get him. Okay. I did get him. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah, and then he just, but that, uh, at that time, he was my only dog, and I, and I, he was with me. I mean, nowadays, we've got too many dogs. You know, right. I, I got ten dogs at home. Well, none of them get work enough. <laughs> yeah. When you get one dog, I use him for everything, you yeah. know. Yeah, they get the oh. amount of work. Yeah. Yeah, I use him for everything. How did that go? So, like after Hack, that was your first dog. You really kind of got into training, and then what were your next dogs like to train in your learning curve? Well, I bought a pup for Melvin Cop, uh-huh. and uh, where did he come from? What lines are from? Uh, lines? Um, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, Jake yeah. or Jeff. Yeah, or, yeah. Because yeah, uh, yeah. Kate and uh, Jake were uh, for brother and sister. Right. Yeah, and I got her, and then I got a. But got a little female from Jocker uh, Gear. Oh, yeah. okay. So those are my three main dogs there for a while, and then I had a pup out of Huck and Kate. Uh, called Tim, yeah, yes. called Tim. And uh, he was a heck of a dog. Mm-hmm. And then Tim and Meg, the pup I got from Al, for from uh, Jock, yeah. they were a really good cross. Yeah. What do you think about the dogs nowadays? Do you think they're getting weaker, stronger? Uh, I hate to say it, but yes, I do. Do you think they're getting weaker? What points are getting weaker? Uh, gotta be careful what I say Ooh, here. No, but, you're all right. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, the dogs I used to have years ago, yeah. like Huck and Kate and uh, Tim and Meg, them dogs could go do a day's work and never quit and never falter and never, nothing saved them, you know? A lot of these dogs today, uh, you can see it today, you know, and I mentioned to somebody, there's a couple of dogs there that a lot of weekends they'll win a trial for you. Yeah. But you get on a tough sheep like this, and they couldn't move them, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're, 
I don't think they're the caliber they used to be. So do you think it's the breeding? Or do you think it's just the mental capacity or how them people are breeding? Well, I think it's dogs? partly breeding because people are breeding the dogs that win dog trials. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of trial winning dogs aren't real good, tough dogs. You know, they're nice and pliable and, and kind of coddle the sheep around. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the sheep are dog broke sheep that don't take nothing to move. And, uh, and they'll win dog trials. And then they'll breed to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you get them dogs on some tough old range views or cows, and yeah. it's a different game. Yeah. I mean, I don't like a dog with a lot of bite in them. You know, I mean, that's another thing, too. You know, these cow, cow dog guys are breeding dogs with too much bite. Mm -hmm. You know, and the cows are getting harassed and chased. And, Tore up a bit, yeah. Yeah. Or like, that hot dog, he, would, he wouldn't bite nothing unless he had to, you know. Mm -hmm. If he wouldn't move, then he'd give him a little nip. Just enough to make them go. Just they touch their hot wire. You know? And you kind of had a standard for your dogs. They had to go and work cows, work sheep, and oh, yeah. also go, you know, to town on the weekend, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. If they couldn't do both, I mean, I always said a good dog will work either. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a tougher dog to work cattle than it does sheep. Mm -hmm. you know? In fact, in my opinion, it takes a better dog to work sheep than it does cattle. And yeah. the reason why is a weak dog will rush in from 10, 15 feet and bite a cow and get out. You know. And, and they'll stir, up, stir the cows up enough to get them moving. And uh, that's just what a lot of people are looking for. More but but uh, a sheep, you can't allow that. You can't have a dog biting sheep all the time or, you know, you've got to go to tore up triple sheep. Mm -hmm. So a sheep will figure out a dog. If a dog that, that can't move them, you know, they'll run them off. Yeah. And if a dog is going to bite a sheep, you, they, you know, you can't have that. Mm -hmm. So uh, you take the dog with nice lots of quiet power and just walk up and and you know some sheep can do just as much damage as a cow right they use their head pretty good oh they can yeah in fact the dog i run today had her um had her um shoulder not her shoulder but her um tendon her um oh yeah what the name of it? i forget the name but her up, up here by her stifle joint you know, oh, yeah. and her tendon yeah. tore I just spent four thousand dollars getting her fixed. Oh, you know, and and that was by a sheep, a sheep hitter. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that'll happen. So, uh, um, no, I've always claimed that it takes every bit as good a dog or a better dog to work sheep than it does cattle. Like to work them properly. I'm yeah. talking, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think now that you've um, you've you've read your first book or whatever and stuff like that, who do you think's had the most influence on you on me yeah and your your training uh, oh golly uh, you know there's been a few guys i wouldn't say i learned from any one guy i was just taking something from everybody yeah. you know uh, no i really wouldn't i couldn't i couldn't pinpoint any one guy but i mean i and i mean a lot of it i learned on my own because mm -hmm. uh, i mean there was a lot that back then there wasn't any dog, uh, clinic, very few clinics, and, right. and uh, I just kind of learned the basic, and then I just kind of, then I got into training dogs, and I, I trained dogs, trained a lot of dogs, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. So I had lots of experience, and just by working dogs, you know, I, yeah. I, I can kind of pick out a good dog or a bad dog right away. I'm not bragging when I say that, but I think I can, and. Uh, uh, this has learned a lot on my own. Do you think that people 
know, that I find people nowadays, they kind of jump from clinic to clinic to clinic, seeing if they can kind of piece things together. Do you think they need to just maybe learn something, go home and just pound out the practice? Do you find they, they kind of flop around from clinic to clinic? Well, though? some people do. I mean, I know people that have been to every clinic in the darn country and they're not any better. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you can learn something from anybody who's a good handler. Uh, you, you take what works for you or works for that particular dog, because every dog is different too. Mm -hmm. So what works for this dog may not work for the other one. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I mean, it's good you could do, talk to different people and get different guys' opinion, but, but uh, if you have it, I mean, if, if you got the ability to, to train dogs, then you'll pick it up, you know. And if you don't, you, no matter how many clinics you go to, you will learn. Yeah, we, you know, it's the yeah. same thing with the dogs. Either either they got it or they don't. Yeah. And some yeah. handlers just just Struggle don't have it. And stockmanship, I think, really shows in this sport yeah. where, you know, you can buy a fancy barrel horse for somebody and they can just hang on or and be oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, that's what I love about this sport is that it really shows the stockman. And um, and you can't just you can't buy yourself a win. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yet, how uh, so on the competition end of it, you you did the rodeo thing for quite a while. And how much do you how much of um, how much do you think like competing in uh, other events? And then when you took up the trialing, like you enjoyed com competition. But do you how do you what's your tips? I guess for really kind of handling the competition situation and. Uh, not letting the nerves get you. Some guys struggle with it a lot yeah, more than others. Yeah. You're pretty well, talented at it. I, I, I went to a lot of rodeos. I was kind of used to pressure, you know. And, and but when I got dog crawling, I got really pressured up and nervous. Yeah. And I'm the second trial I went to. I went to a cattle penning up at, in Edmonton. Okay. And this is kind of what got me straightened out. I was uh, uh, and that's my second trial. I didn't know anybody. There were very few, and I was. Competing against all the big hats, you know, like Alvin Kopp, Jackie Gear, Richard Tipton, all the all the guys who had been around were there, and I was competing against them, and uh, and I had my, my three go arounds. In the first go around, I think I placed somewhere, and the second go around I placed somewhere too. In fact, I may have won. I forget how I placed, but I placed pretty deep. And the third go around, you know, I was. By this time, I was really nervous. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't even spit. And uh, I sat, and I was like, I was green, and I didn't even know my sides that good, you know. I mean, I was just green. And I sat, sat back down there, and uh, and my knees were going like this, you know. And, and uh, these were cattle that they'd used in the cutting, so they'd been settled down on that end, you know, and they were looking for the out gate, and they were pretty tough. And I sent them around, and there's one heifer in the group that was wanting to break off, you know? And I thought, okay, you know, I mean, I was really nervous and uh, excited, or nervous, you know? And I flanked him over to cover her, and I give him the wrong flank, oh, okay. the wrong whistle. And, and I give him a, he, I should have given him his left-hand whistle, I give him his right-hand whistle, because I just got mixed up. And I give it to him again, and I finally, you fuck, get over there, you know, I give it to him, <laughs> and he stopped and turned around and looked at me like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah, as, about? Yeah, as if to say, are you sure about that? And I realized what I did. And, I, you know, how 
things go through your mind, like how your life flashes before yeah. it. And, and I thought, well, that's stupid. The people are watching the dog, they're not watching me. Yeah. Why am I making him look like a fool? You know? Yeah. So I give him a left hand whistle, and away he went and got her and, and uh, went on to win the trial. Oh, and, really? Uh, Congrats. Yeah. So, that's cool. And that, that uh, got me to the point where I don't get nervous anymore. Yeah. I won't say never, but you yeah. know that really made straighten me out. Doesn't affect so, you as much. Though. No, because I got thinking, you know, uh, if people weren't watching me; they were it's watching the dog. dog. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you ran anything other than border collies? Uh, no. 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 Uh, Go ahead. I'm kind of biased. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's border collies, and then there's dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had other breeds of dogs, and I've trained other breeds, but I mean, there's only you know, like I say, there's border collies and there's dogs, you know. <laughs> I mean, there are some decent Kelpies and some decent Australian Shepherds, but but uh, not as many, not as rural, you know. I mean, if you, if you need to make miles with a dog in hot weather, a Kelpie can do it, maybe. Yeah. But I also know a Kelpie who, and I was really surprised, this guy who uses a Kelpie all the time and really, really loves his dog, and he said, but the main thing about him is he can't cover no ground. Hmm. He gets overheated and plays out. No kidding. Yeah, and he's Kelpie. Well, I find it interesting with those Kelpies. Um, over here, people think that oh, the Kelpies are more aggressive. They got more more bite. And yeah. The dumb, you know, the cowboy mentality or whatever. Yeah. And you go down to Australia, and uh, they just think we're idiots because they don't use them dogs for that. Like yeah. their strong dogs are their border collie dogs, yeah. and they got they got different mixed breeds for different things down there. But the border yeah. collies are their go-to strong dogs. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, not some good guy. I, I sold the Kelpie one time to a guy, and he was, and he loved him. He's a fantastic dog. He ran a big ranch, and and uh, he loved that dog. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as a rule, I mean, I've lo- uh, percentage-wise, you'd get a lot more good border collies yeah. than. I mean, they might, they might be getting some more good uh, good Kelpies around now because I think it, you know. 30 years ago when they brought Kelpies over, I think they sent their tail enders over. Yeah, yeah they're certainly not <laughs> consistent the calls, here. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So you've imported a few dogs? No, I haven't. You haven't imported no, any? Do you think never. there's value in it or do you think there's good enough dogs here? I think there's good enough dogs here. Yeah. I really do. I'm, I've seen lots of imported dogs that I wouldn't even want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're a bunch of money and over there they were they're working them light hill sheep, you know, and they got to be 50 feet off, you know, they, and uh, no, I've seen too many weak dogs that have been imported mm-hmm. for a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I think there's, in fact, a very famous handler told me a long time ago, uh, and he was from Great Britain, I won't mention no names, but he's from Britain, and he said within 20 years, they're going, Britain's going to be importing dogs from Canada. Oh, yeah. Or North America. Because you know, they were getting the uh, same thing was happening over there. They're breeding these trial-winning dogs, and uh, there's a lot of light dogs. Yeah, they're very flashy, very quick and flashy and keen, and they look great. Yeah. But get them in a tight spot, and they don't have it. Just can't have a lot the of pressure. them don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah. You know? That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there'll be people who disagree with that, but. Uh, uh, I've seen too many of these dogs that have been imported, paid a bunch of money for, really well-bred dogs, and they don't have it. 
Have you spent some time down in the States then doing a bit of trialing as well? A little bit. Do you yeah. think there's a difference trialing down there than up here? Depends on what you're looking at. Well, no, I think the sheepdog trials, I think they're quite a bit alike. Uh, uh, the cattle trials down there, uh, it's a little different ballgame there too because they're looking for dogs a lot of bite and a lot of, you know. Um, Has that changed though, like from when, because you used to go down to Red Bluff years ago, yeah. and that was a pretty good sale for dogs where there was some class there, but it recently or even in the last probably eight to ten years I've been watching it it seems like they've kind of gone orangutan or is it orangutan you mean like the aggressive dogs yeah like oh, just yeah. the run in straight in and just rip and tear and oh yeah I know $20, I went the last time I was down there and that's why I haven't been back I got so mad I had a dog that was pretty well broke a nice kind of a dog and uh, the cattle were really hard to handle wild you know mm -hmm. and uh one night we were working in the building, and I was the last guy. No, I wasn't. Yeah, maybe I was the last guy to go. I forget. Don't matter. But anyhow, uh, uh, we worked seven heifers, and I was then down here waiting to for my cows to come in, and they're having trouble getting this one animal in. And uh, finally, they got her in the gate, and she ran around the arena, and bounced off the fence, you know, head up, and just on the fight, something terrible. And uh, and uh, the three guys in horseback, and she ran right through the guys in horseback, and and uh, went down to the end and bounced off the wall again, and came back and stopped in the group, and kind of settled there for a second. And they took off the road to the arena, so they told me to send my dog, so I did. And I knew she was how rank she was, so I just was very careful, and I just kind of coaxed her around. The, you know, through, through the pattern, I got all the all my all my obstacles, and pen just within my uh, my time limit. And I think it worked for six or seven, eight minutes, and uh, but I was being very careful, yeah. and she just kind of coaxed it after long, and I got her done. Yeah. And I got marked. I think it was 52 or something, and I thought, boy, they're marking tough. Cause, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good run, and. A few dogs later, a guy came out and he sent his dog, and it went right down the middle of the arena, just hit them cattle like a ping, like a like a bowling ball, you know, and went seven different directions, and the dog was ripping and biting and barking and chasing, and it didn't make one obstacle, just chasing them around the arena. Yeah. And I tell you, if that if they hadn't been in a building, they'd have been all downtown somewhere, you know, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, it, it was a complete wreck. I mean, I've seen wrecks, but that was one of the worst I've ever seen. And now his time was up, and, and he, he was riding out, and they marked him as 77 oh. or something. And I thought, what? Yeah. And that just burned me, so I never went back. That's pretty frustrating. Well, that, I mean, that's a sale, but I get that, like, their, their NCA trials are probably there. It's NCA, right? National Cattle yeah. Association. Yeah, National and they have. I like watching those field trials that they have. Have you ever been down to any of those? Well, I've been like down to some. Oh no, not on no, horseback. Just no. the foot. I did. A, uh, I went down to one and uh, I got the first world championship they had, and that was eighty down in Reno, Nevada. I went to that one. Uh, yeah, and uh, that was on horseback. Uh, and the thing is, too. Uh, there were there were seven Canadians went down, and 
and there was there's 115 dogs or something in her, and uh, by the last day, top ten dogs there were there were seven uh, seven Canadians in top ten, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, or, or six Canadians in top ten, and they were all sheep dogs. Yeah. And I, I said to, I was sitting there on during the semifinals on Saturday, talking to a couple of guys from Texas, and you know, and one guy said, you know, the Texas draw, we don't need all that birdie on these dogs to work cattle. <laughs> and I thought, I said, well, I'll bet you by tomorrow in the finals, most of the dogs in here will be sheep dogs. And he just kind of scoffed at me. You know. Nine of the top ten dogs are sheep dogs. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> but you had a pretty good grin on your face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, to, to work them cattle dog trials, they don't need to be trained that well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can make a mistake on a cow, and 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 fix it and you know, carry on. But you can't do that in a sheep dog trial. That's right. Yeah. 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 So when looking at dogs to buy, what are some traits that you really look for, and that are like you know you won't buy unless it has this trait. Oh golly, it's really hard to you know tell you until it grows up. You know, and, uh, all you can do if you buy a puppy, all you can do is kind of go by the parents and and uh, hopefully they turn out. But uh, I like a dog that's got lots of confidence. You know, just like I always compare dogs to that old hawk. You know, or some dogs I've had since then. You know, like I had a dog called Ben that was like that, and a little bitch called Jip. And you know, those were dogs that they had. No fear of nothing, you know, and uh, and they had a mental uh, the, the, their mental capacity, you know, just like they, they couldn't lose, you know. I mean, they yeah. they, they were very confident, and and uh, uh, I just like a dog with lots of confidence and lots of uh, uh, quiet power, you know, quiet mm-hmm. confidence. Yeah. Um. What about, uh, is there any moments like either, well, let's uh, trial career or, or just in working situations that you'll just or stand out in your mind that you're not going to forget, like something really neat a dog did or something something a handler did or whatever, just kind of some... Oh, well, yeah, for myself, you mean? Any, yeah, yourself or yeah. anyone else. Uh, yeah, actually, with the, the first clinic I was at, an old fellow from England, uh, Ray Ollershaw, was, was putting on the clinic, the teaching clinic. He's from England, and at that time he was, you know, he was a very highly thought of dog handler. He was the president of the ISDS, and I went to, and I had Huck there, and, and I think he was about 14 months old, you know, and I had him started pretty good, but he was fast and tight, you know, and worked really too fast, and, and being my first clinic, and I didn't know anybody, I was kind of shy, and I kind of hung back, and and uh, finally it came to my turn, and uh, old Ray, I mean, he wouldn't, uh, the clinic stand, like, he, he didn't go there and work with you. He, he'd send you out work your dog, and then you'd come back, and then he'd tell you, you know, what you're doing right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So and I was the last guy to go, and, and he never walked out there all day. And I worked the huck for a couple of minutes, maybe not, not even that. And he came marching out. You know, he was about 71 years old. And he came marching out, and I thought, oh, he's going to kick me out of here, tell me to leave, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And he came up, and he called me lad. He said, hey, lad. He said, 
all the dog bread. And I didn't know at that time, you know. Yeah. I didn't know how he better it off. And uh, I, I said, well, I don't really know. I said, uh, and he said, oh, what a grand dog. He said, grand dog. And I said, oh, you know, thank you, you know. I mean, I didn't. So anyhow, I worked, he said, work him some more. So I did, and I come off, he said, grand dog. He said, and that's about all he said. He didn't really tell me what I was doing right or wrong. <laughs> and uh, so next day, I come back out. And another old Englishman from BC, and him and I kind of hit it off the first day. You know, we had a pretty good visit. And I walk, I come in there, and he he called me. Said, Dale, come here, come here. He said, so I want to talk to him. And he said, he said, Ray likes your dog. And I said, well, yeah, he kind of told me that yesterday. He said, don't oh, know. He really likes your dog. And I said, oh, you know, that's starting to mean something now. You know, he said he really likes your dog. So he did the same thing. I walk to work, come my time to work him, and. And uh, and he came marching out again. He says, "How's that dog bred?" I said, "Oh, I, I don't know." Would you sell him? And I said, "Well, I don't know. I'd have to talk to my wife, you know." And I mean, I'd kind of hate to sell him. He kind of like him. He said, then he kind of laughed. He said, "Oh, I couldn't take him back in here, you know, because of the quarantine back then." He said, "Oh, he said the boy's back home would go mad over him." He said, huh. and I got thinking, "Oh, boy, he's got something." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyhow, and I was getting so emotional. I wanted to tell this. I hung around. I watched the trial on. Uh, uh, well, he does dogs on the weekend. So I entered the, the pro novice, and I think I was out of twenty-six dogs. I think I was six all. Hmm. You know, my very first trial. I never worked sheep before. Well, I, I was at the clinic, and uh, I hung around to watch the open on Saturday and Sunday, and then Sunday dinner time. They had a break, and I was going to go home, and uh, and uh, so I went up, you know, to thank Ray for you know for for the clinic and stuff, and I had to talk to him. I said, "How many dogs have you worked in your life, Ray?" He said, "Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't put a number on it. I've been working dogs since I was a lad, a wee lad." He said, and I, I couldn't say. And he, I remember, he had great big hands, and he, great big finger poked me in the chest. I got, and he said, "You know what?" <laughs> See, that, that, that dog, <laughs> the dog of yours should be number seven. Mm. No, he said, he said, I had six botanicals and hundred dogs. He said, I've had six great ones, well, what I would call great ones. And he said, that dog of yours should be number seven. Wow. That's a compliment. Wow. Okay. That's, an <laughs> That's a pretty special moment. No kidding. And it is always that one dog that does it for, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's What'd you do to have a hundred more of them, hey? I wish I did. I wish I had a dog like him, knowing what I know now, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, I, that, back then I didn't know nothing, and I was just kind of... How old were you when you had that dog, you think? I was 40 or 41. Yeah. yeah. About 40, I guess. Wow. That's amazing. When, uh, what, like, what was your proudest moment trialing that dog, like, when you were, was it, or maybe it wasn't trialing, just doing something at home, too? Yeah, well, that dog did so many things, you know, I, used to, I was still rodeoing when I was working him, and I remember rodeoing town one time, uh, and we supplied the time event cattle, you know, we, we had long cattle back then, and, and we supplied calves, and the team opened for logging cattle, mm -hmm. and, uh, I took Huck in to move the cattle around because I worked them at home all the time. And I remember we were 
in ahead of the rodeo, putting the cattle through the chute, you know, showing them where the catch pen was and stuff. And uh, then I'd send Huck down. We, we didn't have a return alley at, at the arena. We had to bring, bring him up to the middle of the arena. So I sent him down and he'd bring the calves back with the steers back or whatever. And uh, the last group of cattle, the bulldogging cattle or something, uh, the cowboys were in there starting to warm the horses up riding around. You know? And we were running direct the cattle through it. I sent Huck down to bring the cattle up and he's bringing them along. And of course these cowboys, they all kind of were going to help and they all kind of converged on them. And I could see this happening so I just laid them down. And I mean, they almost rode over him. Oh. And uh, he was about halfway up the arena by this time. And he got right to the gate, and one steer kind of turned around and kind of tilted his way through the about 20 horses, you know. Yeah. And they all turned around to go get him. And the, he was heading back for the catch pen again, the steer was. And Huck was still laying down there, and I, and I whistled to him to get up. And he got up and he stopped that, that cow or steer. And of course, the cowboys all turned around to head back to get him, and somebody from the grandstand hollered, he said, you guys, you cowboys, get out of the way, let the dog do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they hollered loud, everybody heard him. Nice. So they all just kind of went like that, and the dog brought this animal up and put him in the pen, just as took as a whistle. Oh, yeah. That'd you know? be a cool sight. And, the, and yeah. the people in the, in the grandstand, they were just a <laughs> cheering and applauding. Oh, yeah. I bet, yeah. yeah. Those are the best moments, you yeah. know, when they get to get it. Yeah, I used to do a lot of demos with my dogs, and the very first demo I ever had was up little town up by uh, northwest of uh, North Battleford at, uh, what the name of that town? Ah, oh, shoot, I forget. It don't matter. No. Uh, anyhow, they hired me to come up and do a, a demo, a working dog demo, and know they had some team painting and they had some uh, wagon, pony wagon races and stuff, and uh, there was... There was 14 teams of team penners, I think, and these cattle were wild. You know, they were big, fat heifers, and they were wild. And uh, and out of 14 teams, there was one team for one animal in the pen, and and that, that nobody got penned. You know, out of the 14 teams, and that you know, crazy wild. And anyhow, and I was to go after them. So they they, they had a liner backed up to a load suit at the end of the arena. Just kind of a portable load chute, and they stopped the last six animals that went up the chute. They stopped them, and that's what I had to work, you know. So I, I had Huck and my other old dog that called Candy, who was he was okay, but just a dog, you know. And uh, I worked them, and I sent them down there, and I and Huck he got them every dog work. I went around, like I, I used to do a like a figure eight, got two barrels and do a, like a barrel pattern, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. do a figure eight. And so I, I did, that, did the figure eight and I walked up and I put the cattle in the pen, you know, and uh, 14 teams couldn't do it. Yeah. And anyhow, and I, and I was just kind of walking on a crowd, you know, and in fact, I didn't know if I was going to get it done, you know, when I started, because mm -hmm. there was a bloody while. Anyhow, a lady come across the arena, you know, and she was all smiling, had a real fancy dress on and said, uh, he said, oh, you know, that was something else. He said, them, them dogs are almost human. And I said, lady, you, you can say what you want about me, but don't insult my dog. <laughs> and her eyes got big, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I said, you seen what the, what the humans did with them a minute ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they wish. Yeah. yeah.
idea I want to kind of um, talk about if you could if you could kind of go back and and say to yourself one thing you know one thing that would maybe help you earlier on that you know now what would that one piece of advice be oh golly uh, I would say I mean if you've got a good dog a good dog that's really appreciated you know because once you've got a good one, boy, they're pretty hard to replace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, if, if they're not that good, well, I mean, you enjoy them as much as you can, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, really be. Uh, another thing I found about dog trying, dog trial people, most of the people are pretty good, you know. Mm -hmm. And I used to wonder why, you know, why. There's a lot of, I mean, I've known cowboys my whole life, and there's a lot of cowboys that I got no use for, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, and there's only been a handful of dog trot people that I didn't like. But, uh, and I wonder why is that? You know, why, why are dog trot people so likable? And I think what it is, because if you're not a good person, your dog will work for you anyhow. Yeah, that's a It'll humble you pretty quick. Yeah. It is such a humbling sport. Hey? Uh, yeah, now what happened to guys that are bad sports, you know, they'll get beat a few times and they get mad and they quit. And they quit, they don't yeah. show up again. Yeah. And I think that's why, or you can, if you've got that kind of attitude when you're a cowboy, you know, you can take it out on your horse, or you can do whatever you want, or, you know, get in a fight or whatever, but if you're working dogs, you can't be like that, or dogs won't work for you. Yeah. yeah. It might for a little while, but, you know, it's not going to last very long. Well, what's the saying? Uh, you know, testament to a guy's character is if kids and dogs like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You said your dad had dogs growing up, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the dogs kind of liked you a little more anyway. Oh, they yeah. Kinda, they kind of followed you around yeah, and kind of stole a few dogs. It was kind of a true story. A joke around home, you know, when I, my dad had, and he had some border collies, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but there was a Martin dog way back in the 30s, you know, there was an old guy from Scotland, and he was a good dog man, you know, and he had some really good dogs. And, uh, in fact, he'd go all over doing demonstrations. And, uh, and my dad had three of them that I can remember as a little kid. And uh, the last one he got was, uh, I think I was about three years old, and he got this pup. Well, this pup took to me, mm -hmm. and he followed me around till I was, I think, 16 years old, and uh, before he died. But the joke was that, you know, my dad got the dog for himself, but the dog adopted me. You know? Yeah. So if I ever, if I showed up, he would quit dad and come to <laughs> me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Do you have any upcoming clinics, you think? I have one, uh, yeah, I do, I think, but I uh, forget what date it is now. Yeah. I think it's in January. In January, yeah. Where is it? Just at your place? Well, no, beyond, I think it's at East End. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I, had, I had two here just a couple weeks ago up at, uh, up by, uh, one at Purdue, another one not Purdue, uh, um, Paradise Valley. Oh yeah. Another one at uh, South of Edmonton, always. Mm -hmm. yeah. What type of uh, folks are getting drawn into the dog world these days that you're seeing pop up at these clinics? A lot of women. Hmm. A lot of women. A lot of, and again, I gotta be careful what I say, but a lot of, a lot of uh, kennel club people. Oh yeah. And which is not a good thing. I don't think. Why don't you think? Well, they trying to handle the dogs like they're little kids, you know, and they, yeah. and they, you know, they fuss over and they, they just, 
you know, my, I don't follow my dogs a lot. I mean, I pet them when I want, when I need to, but I mean, my, I, I don't fuss over them. I don't baby them, but they know what I think of them, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of these people, these dogs are they're they're spoiled, you know. They're well, those people sort themselves out of yeah. it, though, because those dogs aren't gonna yeah, and dogs are, respect somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, they're they're spoiled and they. Uh, and I got all the trouble right now. A lot of too too many kennel club people get involved. Yeah. So you've kind of you kind of seen the very beginning, but where do you see it going in another twenty years in Canada? Well, I hope it takes a little bit of a turn. I, I hope there's more. Uh, I hope there's more people that are looking for uh, the real working dog type. You know, not not just the trial dog or the sporting dog. Yeah. Because. Uh, that's kind of the way it's heading right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like um, over in Europe, there, like they'll, it'll just take the same route as that. Yeah, because that's kind of what went on there, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. The years ago, it used to be just the old hill shepherds coming off the hills, and yeah. and you know, my dog's better new dog. Let's have a little contest, yeah? yeah. And they would, and they had some really good dogs that would work all day long out in the hills and come in and have a little game. kind of like how rodeo got started, yeah. you know? I think it is kind of a sad thing. I think it's kind of peaked because there's not getting to be more cowboys out there yeah. that are using dogs. The Every day, are like day, bigger, day out, yeah. Less guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, it used to be that a cowboy would see somebody like yourself or whoever out there using a dog and be like, I need one of them. Yeah. I find it a little hard because I feel like a few bridges have been burnt as well. You know, I've, I've before I go somewhere, I always ask if I can bring a dog, and yeah, sometimes I get the answer no, and I respect it. But at the same time, that bridge is being burnt by someone's dog who maybe hasn't had the the background it should have or whatever, and people just turn turn the dog away. They'd rather use a quad yeah. or whatever. And so I think that, you know, you gotta you gotta gotta have a little bit more knowledge about it. And yeah, yeah, that part of it I think is getting better. Getting better because uh, you know years ago I'd have phone calls all the time from guys you know phone about advice for dogs. My damn dog, I said, he's, you know, just when I got cattle going through the gate, the dog will take off and stop and bring him back. You know, yeah. and uh, and uh, there's more cowboys that are working dogs more better now. Yeah, I think than they did 20 years ago. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, stockmanship's kind of more of a focus with the guys that genuinely yeah. enjoy it, and you can source the information yeah. a little easier, and people are more willing to share that information too. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have any litters on the ground right now? I not, not right now, but I got tagged uh, two litters coming. A couple planned, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Where can uh, where can we find them? Do you have a number that people usually just phone to get a pup off you? Yeah, the best way to do it. Actually, my wife looks after them pups mostly. Uh, her number, our home number is 306-662-3667, uh, awesome. and her cell phone number is 661-8779. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate talking to you today. We've had a oh. good conversation. Well, thank you. I enjoy, I enjoy your stories. <laughs> Hopefully there's more to come. And good luck in your future trialing. you got a lot of wins under your belt. We should have taken the time. 
little bit of time to list them off, but I don't know if we got enough time. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, we there's a there's a time, long list. <laughs> how many times have you won Calgary alone? Seven times. Yeah, seven times. That's a yeah. feat. And yeah. what? Uh, and I won this one here eight times. Eight yeah, I've been done ninety-five times today. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, good. I at Calgary they give out these big plastic uh, checks, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, I was hanging them up on the wall one day because I had them all piled in the corner for a few years and I thought, why'd you do something with them? So I was hanging them up in the, we have a big porch in our house, so I was hanging them up and, uh, and uh, somebody phoned me, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm putting up $80,000 worth of wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. You're siding your house with yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What better wallpaper than a little yeah. bit of money? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again for spending oh, time. and. Uh, Good luck in the future. Oh, well, thank you.